uh, starting a new sermon series this week on how do I get closer to Jesus. Uh, I was praying about this and thinking about especially this time of year. Uh, for me, how busy it is, all the things going on. I mean, it's light at like 4.30 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night and trying to pack stuff into all that time. But how do I get closer to Jesus in this? How do I stay close to Jesus, maybe is a better way of saying it. I hope this is a question that all of you are asking to some degree in your life. I think this is a, a deep-seated need, a deep-seated desire that God has put in us that leads us to the right place. And then when we don't have that question of how do I get closer to Jesus, that for me is a scary place. But I wonder if maybe some of you are maybe asking this question because of how busy you are, if you're anything like me. I have overdone it the last few weeks. And the busier I get, the more uh, purposeful I have to become about staying close to Jesus. Or maybe some of you are still kind of new to faith and you still have questions about Jesus and who he is. And one of the questions you have is, how do I get close to him? How do I have this relationship that I hear other people talking about? Because our relationship with Jesus is foundational. It is the center of our faith. It is the place from which everything else comes. I know in some places, church attendance is kind of the main thing. And it's good. It's good for us to gather together as God's people, to praise God together. But I believe even more important than that is our personal relationship with Christ, our personal relationship with Jesus, with our Father in heaven, with the Holy Spirit who is here among us. But I have to say, these last, this last little while I've been busy. I've been saying yes to lots of things and thinking, oh, I, there's <laughs> even at four in the morning, oh, there's, it's light out, so I want to try and squeeze that in and how it just wrecks my day. But um, doing these things, trying to do so much, I mean, meeting with people, uh, I'm going to be helping out and be a cabin leader at camp this week and then family camp the next week. Um, all this stuff, trying to cram it in, you know, trying to study for, for um, uh, sermons, emails, and things happening. And, you know, many of you can relate to these sort of things. I mean, with your job, with your work, even if you're retired, all the things that you're trying to do, that our time with the Lord can kind of get pushed to the edges. Just for example, this last week, uh, Tracy had a doctor's appointment in Vancouver, and it was, it was really uh, just a great, you know, the surgeon must want to make sure everything was still going fine. I think it, you said it was 15 minutes, and it was fine. Everything's good. Um, but <clears throart> we left on Sunday afternoon, and we camped partway there. And then we, uh, Monday, we drove the rest of the way. Tuesday, we did pretty much everything we could pack into one day. And then Wednesday, we drove home. And so there's all this time, this busy time. And it was fun and it was great, but I realized, looking back on it, that my time with the Lord was maybe a few short prayers in between and mostly at the ends of the day. At the beginning, at the edges, um, waking up in the morning, Lord, um, I praise you. And, and, and at the end of the day, reading the scriptures and praying again. But it was kind of at the brackets at the very end of the day. Um, not so much in between as we were rushing around trying to do all this stuff. And I realize that this can happen to us, but that's not how I want to be. I don't think that's how we're supposed to be. In fact, I know that Jesus wants more. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. He wants us to be continually growing closer to him. And as I was thinking about this, the passage that came to, that came to me about this, that spoke so, that speaks so much about this, is John uh, chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. If you want to open your Bibles to John 15, or there's also at the back of your bulletin, there's a, the passage there. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples uh, the night that he's betrayed. And this is called his uh, discourse or his teaching in the upper room. 
And it's a huge part of John's gospel. It's, uh, I think, chapters 13 to 18. Um, so a huge part of his gospel. And one of these things, he's, part of it is where he's teaching. And so listen to what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he, pr- he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now this is part I want us to clue in on here. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man or a person remains in me, and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. <laughs> it just occurred to me, like we could just spend the rest of our time just reading that, that passage, praying, reading, praying, reflecting on it. But... One thing that I was picking up this week as I was reading this passage or thinking about this is one is that Jesus wants us to be close to him. In fact, in this passage, he actually commands it. He says, remain in me. And they're trying to do their best to get at this Greek word meno. And in many of you, maybe you've read older versions that says abide in me or to live in me. And there's a sense, too, of the Greek word, it, it has this continual sense. So it's it maybe in English, my, it's kind of cumbersome to say, but it's more accurate to say, keep living in me. Keep making your home in Jesus. Keep coming back. Keep living in him. Keep making your life there. Resist the, the times when we get so busy that we don't take time to pray or to read scripture. Resist all the the distractions that so easily come into our life, especially this time of year, right? There's so many great things to do. Many of us go on holidays. Some of you are even here on holidays. And all these fun things that we want to do, that they can actually distract us away from our Lord. Now, I'm not saying that, that Jesus has anything against holidays. I think he loves it when we are at rest and we have times of leisure and we have time to rest with him. But it's just that we make sure that there's time, whether it's in the beginning of the morning maybe in the middle of the day, and in the evening when we set time aside to, to reconnect with him. So Jesus says, abide in me and you'll produce fruit. And I think, you know, I think about this is that this fruit is about the fruit that we produce for the sake of others, but also when we abide in him, there's fruit that, sh- that shows up in our lives as well, fruit that's for our benefit. That when we are close to Jesus, not only do we become a blessing to other people, but also in that relationship, the Lord blesses us. The Lord is at work in us as well, giving us peace, teaching us how to live, showing us how to navigate difficult circumstances, or even how to to be comfortable or to have comfort when things are really hard. We need this relationship with Jesus. But so often we think about fruit and we think, if I want fruit, I'm just going to start making fruit. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. If you want fruit, you have to abide. You have to remain in him. I know it's counterintuitive because we think, if I want something, I just go get it, right? That's what I go do. But it's counterintuitive because it 
In the kingdom of God, if you want fruit, you have to abide in Jesus. We have to. We have to remain in him. I was trying to think about kind of a, an example of this. Is like when you plant, or if you want apples, do you put apples on your table and water them, hoping you get more apples? No. No, you take care of the tree. You have to take care of the apple tree. You have to put fertilizer and prune and do all these things to a tree. Well, I don't want a tree. I want the fruit. But still, if you want the fruit, you have to cultivate the tree. And the tree will produce the fruit. I think there's some connections there. That if we want these, this fruit in our lives, the fruit for the sake of others, and the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives, then we focus on abiding in Jesus. We cultivate that relationship like cultivating an apple tree. But the thing is, so Jesus says, remain in me. And the whole point of this whole series for these next few weeks is, okay, so I want to do that, Lord, but how do I do that? How do I remain in you, Jesus? How do I make my life in you? How do I keep abiding in you? How do I get closer to you, Jesus? That's the point of these next few weeks as we gather and hear the word of the Lord. Well, there's ways that our brothers and sisters have been doing this for generations, for hundreds, even thousands of years. Sometimes people feel closest to Jesus or they feel their relationship with Jesus the strongest when they are serving other people, when they are blessing someone else. Sometimes people feel their relationship with Jesus is closest when they fast, when they go without food for, say, a day or a day and a half or three days or more. That's when they feel closest to Jesus. Sometimes people feel closest to Jesus when they are reading scripture or when they're walking through nature and looking at everything that the Lord has created and, and, and reflecting on what, the God, on what God has done. But there are two things that I, as I read through Christian history, as I listen to our brothers and sisters throughout history, there are two things that have been cornerstone to get closer to Jesus. Two things that have been central to that. One is prayer and the other is reading the word of God. Now, hopefully, you have heard this so many times. <laughs> hopefully, you've heard that so many times in this church or in the churches where you go, that we need to keep praying and we need to keep reading the word of the Lord. But I know that sometimes, sometimes that can sort of feel dry or can run out of the magic, so to speak. And some of you, you think, what are you talking about, Jesus? Every, J Jason, every time I read the Bible, it's amazing to me. Well, bless you. <laughs> That's great. Keep doing what you're doing. But how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you sometimes you think, man, I'm reading like I'm supposed to, but I don't know what I'm getting out of it. Or I'm praying like I know I'm supposed to, but it feels more like, like I'm just doing this because I know I'm supposed to. Well, our, our brothers and sisters have found numerous different ways for us to read the Word of God and to pray. I mean, take reading the Word of God, for example. One way that, especially if you're kind of more of an academic person, one way to really uh, get close to Jesus in Scripture is to study Scripture. And I mean to study, to observe the text, to read the, the paragraphs before and the paragraphs after and get the context, to study the Greek words, to read commentaries, to really dig in. For some of you, this, that is amazing. And I can speak from my own experience how rich that is. Each week, that's pretty much as what I do as I prepare to preach. Study the Word of God. 
and how many revelations I've had about who Jesus is and how my relationship has grown closer to him because of that. But I understand that not everybody is the academic type. Not everybody, that's, for some of you, that sounds like the worst possible thing, right? But there's other ways to get closer to Jesus. Some of you can read uh, a devotion. I know many of you read a devotion, a short passage of scripture with someone's reflection on it. And that, and you read it in the beginning of the day to help set the tone for the rest of your day. That's good stuff. The only thing I would be cautious about is that when we do devotions, that it can be just a small part of our day. And I thought, what about this twist? What if you did a devotion? What if you read a devotion in the morning and prayed and, and did that? And then kept that passage with you throughout the rest of the day. You know, depending on how long the devotion is, you know, I mean, some of you might be able to just mark it on your phone so that you can read it, you know, throughout the day. Or some of you might write it down or even memorize it. So you have that portion of scripture with you throughout the day that you can keep coming back to it. Like, that's pretty powerful stuff. I don't know, my experience with devotions has been is that I can read them and then by the end of the week I can't even remember what I read a few days ago. But this way you can keep it with you. But it keeps forming your life. It keeps guiding your life, forming who you are throughout the day as you reflect on that passage. Or maybe you've done devotions for a long time. You think, maybe I'm ready for something different. There's another way of reading scripture. It's called Lectio Divina. Just the Latin word for divine reading. But it's a way of reading scripture prayerfully. So that you read scripture. You read it through this, say, for example, you read through this passage. And you listen, Lord, what? And you take a minute after you've read it to pray. Lord, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to have us realize? And you pray. Five minutes, ten minutes, half hour, whatever you want to do. And then you read it again. Lord, show me one sentence or one phrase that stands out to me, Lord, that you want to speak to me through. And you pray again and you listen to what the Lord is saying. And you pray again, and you, maybe you're praying with someone else, and you say, let us uh, pray together that we would hear this together, that we would speak into each other's lives. That's, that's, there's different ways of doing it, but that is all Lectio Divina, or divine reading. It's basically prayerfully reading the Word of God. The last thing that I want to suggest is that there's another way of reading, too, which is just reading through a whole book. Reading through a whole gospel. You know, so much of our Christian faith, we take a passage, you know, maybe a paragraph or a couple paragraphs at the most. I mean, that's pretty much all we do when we gather together on Sundays is take small portions. But have you ever read through a whole gospel at one time? How amazing the story is. It's interesting, I was thinking about this yesterday, is how many times do we sit down and watch two minutes of a movie, you know, just different parts of the movie, all throughout the whole movie? Can you imagine, like, how complicated that would be to try and make sense of the whole movie again. Imagine if you've seen a movie and you just watch like little bits of it here and there. It sort of ruins it, right? But then when you watch the whole film, you catch the whole arc of the story. So reading through the whole gospel, I mean, and I know it's, it's a bit of a commitment. I mean, to read Luke, I think they say it takes around like two hours or so to read it. But it's amazing. It's good to read the whole scripture, the whole... And maybe you start with a, a, an easier place to begin, like the book of Philippians. It's like four chapters. You know, start there and read the whole story. So those are some things. And, and you don't have to remember, I know I'm kind of throwing a lot at you. They're actually in the bulletin. And if you open it up, there's different ways to read scripture. These are all listed here. And there's other ways to pray as well. We'll talk about that just now.
You know, so that's, there's different ways to, to listen to the Word of God. There's different ways to hear it so that it can remain a part of our life. It keeps shaping us and drawing us closer to Jesus. But there's also ways that we can pray as well. You know, I think most of us, and, I, and if you're like me, I tend towards the list of things, Lord, please, I need your help with these things. My friend needs your help, or I need this help in, your, in my life here. But you can also pray, I mean, there's an acronym, ACTS, Prayer of Adoration. Lord God, we praise you and we love you. Prayer of Confession, Lord, please forgive me for these things that I've done. Prayer of Thanksgiving, Lord, thank you for what you have done, for the grace you've given. And then ask supplication, Lord, please help. Please help my friend in this situation. Lord, please help my family in this situation. Or you can even pray the Lord's Prayer. We do that almost every Sunday here, where I pray the Lord's Prayer and then sometimes add to it. Even this morning, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray for righteousness, for racial righteousness in the world around us. Adding to the Lord's Prayer, adding in details around those broad categories. Your daily bread, Lord, we need your daily bread. And then elaborating what that means for us in that moment. Even praying in different postures can matter. I mean, so often we sit and we pray, but kneeling to pray. To pray with, with the position of your body. Or to stand even the place where you pray. I think of Ann Bozak. She's not here this morning, but she has a prayer chair that she often talks about. A chair where she sits, and it's a space where when she sits there, uh, prayer is what that whole place is about for her. But we can pray, like I said, we pray with, with things, you know, Lord, please help, and where we do most of the talking. There's also times when we can pray where we do most of the listening. Where we set time aside, maybe five minutes maybe half an hour or an hour. Lord, please speak to me. Show me what you want me to do in this situation. And then we just listen. That one's a harder one for me. <laughs> I try that. Something comes to mind, oh, I need to do that. I just write it down. I just write it down so I don't keep thinking about it. But we just listen to the Lord. All these different techniques of reading scripture and prayer, they're, they're in the bulletin and you can try experimenting with them. But there's two things that I do want to encourage us to this morning. Whether it's reading scripture or praying, I want to encourage you to do it spontaneously and to set time aside or to plan it, okay? By spontaneously, that, that really happens with prayer. You know, like we're just going through the day and you see a situation that you need to pray for and you, Lord, please help. Lord, I see this person who's on the street and they obviously... Like they are either addicted or mentally ill. Lord, please help them. Show me how I can be a blessing to them. Like that's a spontaneous prayer. And those are good. Because there's, so, there's prayer that comes right out of the moment. It's, it's relevant right to that moment that we're looking at. But there's also one drawback of purely spontaneous prayer. One is it's usually pretty short. And two is that if we don't think about it, it doesn't happen. You know, I, you can go through a whole day and not think, ooh, I should pray about this. But if we have planned times of prayer, set times, it can help with that. And by set times, so like in my life, my set times are in the morning when I wake up, in the middle of the day, usually, and at the end of the day. Set times of prayer. And it's good because when we have set times, whether set times of prayer or set times of scripture reading, it can orient our day, it can structure our day. 
Not only that, it can give priority to our day. And I, I fail at this. You know, it'll be, I have 12 o'clock as my midday prayer time. And there are oftentimes at 12 o'clock where I'm doing something, and I say, oh, I'll put that off. I'll, I'll pray when I'm finished with this. And then it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I realize I haven't prayed it yet. So when we have set times of prayer, it can order our day. And it can set priority. And there are times when I feel convicted of it and I say I'm working on something, uh, writing a sermon or taking care of emails or something, and it's 12 o'clock and I set it down and I start praying to make it a priority. So set times of prayer can help us with priority, can help us structure our day, and it can make sure that it happens. So there's these two things, there's these two ways. One is to, like a spontaneous, when just, you just pick up the Bible and read as you feel led. Like, man, I should read the scriptures. I've got five minutes when I read right now. That's good. But there's also set times where in the morning I get up and I read a devotion. Both are good for us. I was thinking of the spontaneous, the spontaneous side is sort of like texting. And I think about Tracy and I that now with smartphones that we often text each other throughout the day. You know, like, I need milk. <laughs> okay, I'll get some. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the milk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... Or, you know, what are we doing with this? Or what about the kids have this this afternoon? Like, we keep in contact. It's short. Can you imagine if that was the sum total of our communication? Just texting. Our relationship would be pretty shallow. It wouldn't be very rich. But there's also set times when we sit down, like around our table, around dinner time. Oftentimes when we're going to sleep, we talk. <laughs> That's more of my time. Tracy's like, can we talk about this tomorrow? <laughs> But there we have times for uh, richer, um, more conversation. And you know, with texting, you can just be like texting and then go back to what you're doing. But in a conversation, it's like devoted time. It's like devoted attention. Similar with when we pray spontaneously, it can be just something short and it can be just a point of connection. And that's good. But then also too, when we have set times, we can really devote our attention to the Lord to draw closer to him. I say these things because if we have this question of, Lord, how do I get closer to you? I feel like I'm in a dry season, or I feel like, or I realize I've become so busy, please forgive me, and I want to move closer to you. Or maybe you're just new in faith, and you're thinking, how do I get closer to you, Lord? You know, I see these people, my friends, who are talking about this. How do I do this? These are some of the ways. Reading scripture, one of these ways that we talked about this morning, or praying, but that we would have spontaneous times of prayer when it just comes up, when we just want to read or to pray. And then we have set times. That through both of these, we basically, we weave prayer and scripture into our life. It becomes part of the fabric of who we are. I say this because this is central to who we are. Our relationship with Jesus is foundational to our faith. And if you feel like something's wrong or that you're not getting it or that you feel a particular dry season or a time when you don't feel close to the Lord, then this is the time to begin to move closer to him, whether it's uh, set times of prayer or spontaneously having your scriptures on your iPhone so you can look it up when you have a moment, a spare time, that we stay close to the Lord, that we draw close to him. Amen.